0: Well, a couple of really interesting bits coming out, positive bits coming out of Budget 2014. No nasty shocks. Um, If you've missed uh, the main highlights of the budget, 9.3 billion rand in tax relief. It means everybody's tax bracket moves up just a little bit and you will get a little bit more money in your paycheck at the end of the month, no matter where you are on the earning schedule. You do have to be earning some money, of course. Pensions are bumped up by a little bit, uh, up to 1,350 rand a month, Uh, particularly small increases in child support uh, grants and in foster care grants as well which is somewhat disappointing but the overall burden on the state in terms of the number of people who are supported by what they call the social wage has increased dramatically but there are other moves afoot to try and get south africa working better Uh, a, a crucial part of this of course is stamping out fraud and corruption which is a big one and the minister made reference to it today but is it enough stephen powell director of forensics at edward nathan Sonnenbergs, was the budget one that filled your heart with joy or with dread stephen powell
1: Bruce, the budget was actually, it has a number of positive elements to it. And, And I was very pleased with the enhancement of efficiencies and cutting waste and the comments around eliminating corruption. And there are strategies to enforce that. But what I thought was missing and what did fill my heart with some despair was the fact that we haven't allocated any greater resources to the investigation of fraud and corruption. And, and also not to the prosecution. And, and those are areas where I think we needed to see some enhancement. But what did give me a lot of pleasure was I noticed that there is going to be an initiative to analyse the business interests of government employees, because I think that is a significant drain on the fiscus. There are way too many government officials who are abusing positions of power to enrich themselves.
0: Uh, and that's got to come through as a positive, but without the additional funding in order to uh, boost and bolster the, uh, the the prosecutorial ability of the state to, to nail people within the system who are corrupt and also to nail, frankly, people in the private sector who, uh, who quote, uh, badly, and the finance minister had a full go at people who, especially in the property sector today, who basically yeah. abuse government and, and 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 rip government off on leases. He had a full go at the property industry.
1: Absolutely, and, and there's going to be a major focus in that area, Bruce. The, the one comment I, I will make you know, which won't require major financial input from the Fiscus, is government really needs to try and get private sector to come to the party and to start enforcing anti corruption compliance within their own organisations, you know, and that, that is a mechanism that I think will help curb the bribes that are paid to government officials.
2: Stephen
0: Hello. Powell, saying, oh sorry Stephen, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Director of Forensics at Edward Nathan Sonnenbergs at ENS this evening. On the line to us from, they call it the friendly city, but we know it's incredibly windy. Warren Ingram on the line to us from Port Elizabeth this evening. Financial advisor at Galileo Capital. He also joins us every Thursday night to talk to us all about issues of personal finance. But I can't wait till then to hear your voice, Warren Ingram. Um, some, nice, uh, new, some nice issues coming through in the budget in terms of making pension funds change. Cheaper—that's uh, going to come as a bit of a shock to the pension funds industry, possibly.
2: Bruce, it's been part of a long and ongoing uh, project by Treasury, so so hopefully not a shock to to the, the industry at all. Um, the, I, I guess they haven't really given us any detail. They do say that the draft reforms will be published shortly, so I guess you know it's, it's one of those where they they um, have been talking about it for a long time. They've issued a few white papers about it. So far, um, you know, the, the original white papers looked quite scary to the industry, but as things have gone on and the consultation has carried on, so those reforms have looked a little less, less scary and potentially more responsible. But until we actually see the black and white, we won't we won't know exactly what they're doing. But for for the Joe investor who you know who has a, an RA or a company pension fund or, or some kind of retirement vehicle. This is without doubt very good news. You know, anything that drives the cost of these products down is ultimately good for, for, for a person who actually puts the money you know, into their savings every month. Uh,
0: and also the finance minister making the announcement today of tax-free savings products. Uh, I'm assuming this will be some kind of retail um, deposit account uh, because anybody who saved any money and then has to pay tax on that interest knows that it's not a very nice thing to have to do. Um, on, on that basis, there, there is some good news there.
2: Yeah, and, and and you know, if they, I mean, the, the simplest thing to me would be say to anybody who's a private investor who's investing in these RSA retail bonds that your any investment that you do up to whatever amount is three hundred or five hundred thousand rand, all the interest you earn on that Ooh. is completely tax free. That would be you know, an easy way of doing. It.
0: Absolutely, and that way government gets you to lend them money. They pay you a, a bit above market interest rate as a return, and you don't have to pay a tax on that interest. It certainly would be simple. Hopefully, they'll focus on simple, Warren.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, so far if you look at those things like those RSA retail bonds, they have been simple, they have been well administered, and despite all the skepticism of many people about these kinds of government-run investments, they've actually done extremely well. And anything that they can do to encourage people to save a bit more and, and, you know, and, and not sort of get some kind of tax drag system. I think is, is wonderful.
0: Final one, I didn't hear anything in the budget speech. It may be tucked away in the budget documents. Somebody's asking on the SMS line, have there been any changes to the taxation of trusts?
2: No, I, d- I didn't see anything and it was one of the things that I was really worried about. The, the other one that really was making me panic was any increase in dividends or capital gains tax. But But thankfully, it seems like they've Avoided the temptation to
0: pay those taxes. There we go, Warren Ingram, financial advisor at Galileo Capital, getting snapshots of Budget 2014 this evening from uh, uh, picking out on some of the highlights of it. Also in today's budget speech, the finance minister making a number of announcements about amendments to the way in which small business is going to be treated. Now, I wonder just how significant this is. If I go to page 17 of uh, the of the budget speech, uh, the president, the the finance minister, in response. To a tip for Pravin from Sharon Bossi from Pretoria, uh, suggesting that government must offer incentives to help small business. He says in the budget speech he allocates six and a half billion rand over three years to support small and medium enterprises. Pavlo Fatidis, Mr. Small Business on this show, the chief executive of Auric Business Incubator. Is this what you were hoping for, Pavlo, when um, you engaged the minister last year? No, not at all,
3: Bruce. Uh, you know, so if we look at it, there's the turnover tax regime. That's going to be amended to reduce the tax burden on micro-enterprises. But the fact of the matter is that it's relevant for businesses generating less than a million rand a year in revenues. Now, the take-up of that particular piece of legislation has not been great. And the reason is that at a million rand a year, once you've got your turnover running through, you've got your expenses running through, and you've got a family to feed, in any event, you're not producing any profit. So if you opt to take the turnover tax, You'll end up paying around thirty thousand five hundred rand in taxes, whereas if you remain on the standard tax regime of 28% of profit, because you're not generating profit, you probably won't pay anything. So I think mm. that that provision has been made in order to try and bring more people into the tax net, specifically in the informal sector.
0: Uh, area, okay, okay but, but this is designed to help micro-enterprises, Pavlo. I mean, there there is, an, I think, an assumption, and it's either right or it's wrong, that um, there are people who are well-funded, ugly enough, and, and, and wealthy enough to look after themselves.
3: Yes, but the fact of the matter is that if you stick to the normal tax regime, where you're paying 28% of profit after tax, it's a far better option, most likely, than opting for the turnover tax. Yes, there's a simplified process in paying your tax. There is a slight reduction in red tape. But ultimately, you're going to land up paying more, I believe, if you opt for the turnover tax opportunity that's been provided here, um, as opposed to staying in in your normal tax regime.
0: At the upper end of the small business sector, however, amendments be made to the venture capital tax company regime, also rules related to access to foreign capital be eased uh, to try and get entrepreneurial development. That's got to be positive.
3: Yes, well, it was very interesting how it was worded, Bruce, because it spoke specifically about developing entrepreneurs. Now, the Section 12J, this will be the second amendment that's been made in the last couple of years. It's there to try and incentivize private individuals to invest into private businesses. There's a, a funding gap that exists in our economy. And as you develop your business through the business life cycle, in the States, in Canada, in now in England, starting more than ever, in India, in China, there are incentives for private people to take private money, their own money, and invest and take a punt in a small business with a view to try and help it along on sure. its journey. It depends on whether that provision is going to be simplified further because the last amendment left it in a rather unworkable state and it hasn't been well adopted at this point in
0: time. We'll chat again tomorrow. Pavlo Fatidis, thank you. Chief Executive of Auric Business Incubator. Two or three years ago, Simon Mantel, you alerted us to the scourge of Garnashi orders and the finance minister very responsive on that particular point today. Hello, Simon. Hi, Bruce. Are um, you happy with what the finance minister is saying about uh, the high levels of indebtedness, about illicit lending and, and, and garnishy orders?
4: No, but I think, you know, look, it's difficult to know what sort of legislation is being passed. You know, he alludes to what's going to be done. But I think that, you know, as with a lot of things in our country, we get to forks in the road, and I don't know whether we always take the right fork. I mean, if I look at this, the indebtedness part of it is obviously through borrowing, but the, the vast majority of the excessive indebtedness is because of the interest and in the hidden charges that have been uh, been allocated uh, to these various loans. And what I would like to see, I mean, this was the perfect opportunity uh, to put the cat amongst to pigeons. At the end of the day, emolument attachment orders, which some people refer to as garnishing orders, but emolument attachment orders render a loan fairly secure and whether it be the credit providers in white good industry, in the white goods like uh, fridges and washing machines or clothing or the likes of the African banks of this world, they always uh, make emphasis or place greater emphasis on the fact that the loans are unsecured. But the fact that you can uh, have an emolument attachment order makes the loan very secure. And if we want to cut the exploitation of the the blue-collar workout, if we want to remove that from society, Emolument attachment orders need to be outlawed. And what needs to be happened, the solution, because everyone needs credit, the solution is for government to work with the employers to provide one single uh, source of credit to employees at an affordable Mm. rate where they have one line of credit and they can then effectively buy for cash. It's crazy that blue-collar workers pay up to 93% in interest and hidden charges on loans when we as middle class South Africans might pay nine or ten percent. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Simon Mantel, outspoken on issues of emolument orders, of Garnishy orders of course, and the interest rates, the punitive interest rates, and he explains it so well that uh, the vast majority of South Africans who want to borrow money have to pay. Rian Leroux, Chief Economist at the Old Mutual Investment Group, on the line to us from Cape Town this evening. Was there one spectacular great big win in this budget, Rian Leroux? I'm looking for the cherry on the top. Yeah, I think there was one that
5: uh, most people I think are missing, um, and the one is that the fiscal consolidation is still planned to go ahead, but the important thing to me is not the fact that we're still planning to reduce the deficit. The uh, most important part to me is that the government has put the pressure on itself to do it via curbing expenditure. Uh, the, the easy route would have been to say, look, we need money, we need to narrow the deficit, let's just raise taxes, let's just give less in terms of fiscal drag relief, let's put in additional um, banned in terms of high-income groups or even have a super tax or whatever, we immediately take that pressure off the politicians to, call it to curb spending. The fact that government has not done any of that says to me that they're actually putting pressure on themselves to keep the fiscal consolidation in place and to do it via curbing spending, which is precisely what is needed. So to me... That was the best part of the budget.
0: The best part of the budget is a little bit of a uh, sort of government uh, beginning to walk the talk, as it were, um, and not a hint of populism in this budget, which I think is also massively refreshing in an election year, Rian?
5: Yeah, correct. Um, you, know, you, you you can't really, if you look through the budget, see any signs of populism or the typical kind of election budget in this thing. It's It's just not there. So, um, yeah, I think government, as you say, they're starting to walk the walk, talk the talk, and I think that is that is correct. I mean, we, we are essentially in a bit of a crisis in the sense that service delivery is not what it should be. Uh, the budget deficit's the big. The current account is too big. Um, government simply spends much, and it needs to spend less. And I think the fact that they're putting pressure on themselves by not raising taxes, which will be the easy option, um, suggests to me that uh, finally government is starting to get serious about all of this. And, you know, we've got the threat hanging over us of a ratings downgrade. We need to do something.
0: And we're doing it. Rian Leroux, the chief economist at the Old Mutual Investment Group, wrapping up five experts in five minutes or slightly longer uh, on the five big points in today's big budget.